Hey there, it's Pastor Kofi Darate, and you're tuned into my podcast. Here you're going to hear life-giving messages and conversations that will take your vision, your destiny, and your purpose to the next level. I pray that you're blessed. So for the last few weeks, we've been speaking about this topic of being a laborer. The last progression, the last song we were playing. Let's go back to that progression. Yeah. We've been talking about being a kingdom laborer. And, um, you know, we've kind of been on this groove. And so I want to continue this. I'm going to prop up today and get us ready for next week. Next week, we're going to jump uh, deep into um, deliverance next week. And so next week uh, will be awesome. I'll teach for a little bit. And then our team is going to be here. Our ministry team is going to be here. And we are going to stand and pray with many of you that are believing God for specific deliverances in different areas. I believe that um, we need to be able to be delivered. I still believe in oil. I still believe in uh, the power of God. Anybody believe in the power of God? I still believe. I still believe in the power of God. I do. Call me old school. I still believe in the power of God. I still believe in the laying on of hands. I still believe in casting out devils. I believe. I believe. And so this week we're going to prop up and really get uh, things started um, in continuation with the Kingdom Laborers um, series. I'm just going to take a brief um, segue into talking about the topic of deliverance. Now, before we can talk about uh, deliverance, before we can talk about um, aspects of deliverance, it's important for us to talk about the topic of discernment 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 um you know in corinthians we talk about it we see the discerning of spirits it's a gift um that the holy spirit gives now i want us to be able to talk about the discerning laborer because last week we spoke about the consecrated laborer so this week i want us to talk about the discerning laborer if you're a laborer in the kingdom of god it's important for you to be discerning and have a uh, incredible ability of discerning of spirits it's, it's very important so we're gonna take our text first um, I have a few scriptures for you but in order for us to understand discernment uh, thank you so much just for a minute let me just teach and then you'll come back in a minute. let's clap for our band we have incredible guys here incredible guys here if they play like that we'll flow but I want to teach a little bit so that we can flow at the end guys if you have uh, some of my props you can bring them now before I start so that I'm not uh, distracted as, as we begin to go. So you guys, please bring those as we go. Okay, so um, it's important for us to talk about the topic of discernment. Someone say discernment. discernment. Discernment is very vital as a believer. It's important for us to be able to know um, how discernment plays in our lives. Everything, if you really look at it, is down to your discernment. Your discernment is your ability to know right from wrong. Um, I have a little tent here that we're bringing. Great. Thank you so much. Incredible. I haven't preached with props in years, but I'm happy. This week, we're preaching with props. You just put it right here. Yes, please, stand it up. There you go. Let's clap for these incredible gentlemen. Incredible guys. Amazing. That's perfect. That's perfect. I'll teach like this. There we go. Incredible. 
Incredible. Thank you so much, guys. So we have to understand discernment. Now, in order for us to understand discernment, we have to understand what is called the presence of God. The presence of God. The presence of God. Okay, so I'm going to give you three benefits of the presence of God. We're going to start here, and then we'll work our way through discernment, and then we'll land in deliverance. Is that okay? Three benefits of the presence of God. Let's write it down. Number one, the presence of God is where, number one, we get the roadmap of our lives. The presence of God is where we get the roadmap of our lives. That's number one, where we get the roadmap of our lives. Jeremiah 29 talks about it, so I won't read it, but it talks about, you know, um, I have a plan of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end, to give you a hope, to give you a future. That's talking about the plan. That plan is found in the presence of God. And so the benefit of the presence of God is simple. Is one of the benefits is that that is the place where we receive the plan for our lives. So when we want to know what God is calling us to, when we want to know the purpose by which God has called us, it's imperative for us to be able to know that that answer is found in the presence of the Lord. Amen. We jump number two. Number two, I'm just going to give you three, three or four. Uh, according to Psalm 16, 11, Psalm 16 and 11 talks about it like this. Psalm 16 and 11 says that it is in the presence of the Lord that we receive fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. It says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. So one of the benefits of the presence of God is the fact that in his presence we find joy. We find joy. Joy is a supernatural quantum. Happiness is, is, is related to circumstances. But joy is spiritual. And joy is a spirit that you can catch the oil of joy. It's a spirit. And so in the presence of the Lord, number two, we receive the fullness of joy. Number two. Number three. In the presence of the Lord, Psalm 91, Bible says that we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is what we find. So in the presence of the Lord, point number three is that we are under his shadow when we're in the presence of God. We are under his shadow. Number four, last one, I'll give you four points. 2 Samuel 24 and 14. 2 Samuel 24 and 14. In the presence of the Lord, we get and we receive mercy. We receive mercy. And David said to Gad, I'm in great distress. Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. So when you go to the presence of the Lord, you have an ability. Oh, I see Pastor Grace is here. We honor you. Let's honor Pastor Grace. So good to see you. I didn't even see her. God bless you. Thank you for being here, sis. That's my big sis. So in the presence of the Lord, you receive the mercy of God. Mercies are available in the presence of God. These are benefits of the presence. Benefits of the presence. So in order for us to understand uh, and get to where we're going to get to, we have to know first where we were called to dwell. We were first called to dwell in the presence of God. If you date all the way back to Genesis in the scriptures, you see how God placed Adam, placed Eve in the garden to commune with God. It was a place where God's presence dwelt, where he would walk with man in the cool of the day. It was a place where the presence of God was. We were designed to be in his presence. Someone say that I was designed to be in the presence of God. You were designed for that. 
So when you are not in his presence, you are like fish out of water. You're not in your natural habitat when you're not in the presence of God. So we have to understand this, that the presence of God has benefits. Now, in order for us to also know the other side, let me just talk to you about, uh, about three detractors or, or, or three, three things um, uh, that, we, uh, that we get or receive when we leave the presence of God. Number one, when you leave the presence of God or you're not carrying the presence of God, number one, you lose your bearings in life. You lose your bearings. You lose your bearings. You know, you, you don't know where you are. You don't know where to go. You don't know. It's like you're, you're lost somewhere. You have no GPS. You don't know where to go to where you need to get to. You don't know how to get to where you need to get to. So when you are not in the presence of God, you literally have the ability to lose your bearings. You don't know where you're going. You have no direction. But God is giving someone direction today. Watch this. So you, you lose your bearings, number one. Number two. When you are not in the presence of the Lord, you begin to entertain things that you should ordinarily destroy. You start to entertain things you should destroy. Let's go to Genesis 3. Let's just read it since I, I, I made mention of it. Let's read Genesis 3 uh, verse 1. Let's go through it a little bit. Let's look at the story between Eve and, and the serpent. And let's look at what happened. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, or of the garden, next verse. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has called, uh, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When you're outside of the presence, one of the dangers of being outside of the presence of God is that you open up yourself to be confused, you open up yourself to begin to compromise on your convictions. That's what it does. When you are not in the presence of the Lord, what it does is things that you should ordinarily be rebuking, you're entertaining. Like you would never talk to that guy, but because you're not in the presence of the Lord, now you're talking to that guy. There is decisions that you're making that are outside of the presence of God. So understand this, that we have benefits of the presence and that we have detractors or dangers of being outside of the presence of God. Are we still together today? Okay. Now, the last one that I'm going to say is when you leave the presence of the Lord, one thing that I've come to recognize, and this is one of the things that's really plaguing our generation, is that you lose sensitivity. You lose sensitivity. You lose sensitivity even to the voice of God. You lose sensitivity to the mind of God. You lose sensitivity to the roadmap of God. You're not as sensitive as you were. And it's dangerous, Pastor Kelvin, to be insensitive or desensitized to the presence of God because it's God's voice that guides us. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us. So when we are desensitized to the presence or the voice of God, what happens is it automatically chews and eats at our convictions. 
our convictions. So our convictions, if I can say it like it's a def- as a definition, a conviction is a firm belief. Some people like to say it's an opinion, but I would call it a belief. It's a firm belief. It's something that you truly, truly believe in. Now, the only way that you can move and be shaken from a place of truly believing in something is when you're presented with something else that in your mind you feel is stronger, that can pull you. Another worldview, another paradigm, another, another viewpoint in life that will sway you from what you've been convicted and what you know your convictions are. And so when you're outside of the presence of God, you can now realize the dangers. You realize the, 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 the mishaps, the things that can truly happen when you're away from his presence. We have the benefits, and now we're looking at the dangers. So the first thing that happens, if this tent right here is the presence of God. You know, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was carried in the Ark of the Covenant, right? And so it was carried in the Ark of the Covenant... Um, The Ark of the Covenant was this box, if you don't know, it was this box that they used to carry. And in this Ark of the Covenant, you know, it had the mercy seat, you know, it had different things that were there. You burned some incense. It was was an Ark. It represented the presence of of God. And and so they have that presence in a box. Even if you go further and look at Moses' time, any time that Moses would want to commune with God, he would have to go into the tent meeting or the place of meeting, called the tent meeting. So we're going to call this place right here the presence of God, okay? Someone just say the presence of God. This is going to represent the presence of God, that place, that secret place, that presence, that place where you know, just like Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So this is representative of the presence of God. Now, what begins to happen is the moment that you leave the presence of God, I've given you three main things. There's so many more, but three main things that are dangerous of leaving the presence of God. Now, one of the major things, as I said, that that affects you when you leave the presence of God is that it eats away at your convictions, your belief system. In other words, what you once believed like in God, you no longer believe. The way you used to love God, you no longer love him. The way you used to pant after him, you no longer pant after him. Because you have left the presence of God. You've become a subject or susceptible to now talking to things that you should ordinarily be destroying. So, once you leave the presence of God, your convictions are the first thing that are attacked. Now, once your convictions are attacked, and I'm almost there, once your convictions are attacked, the next thing that comes under attack after your convictions is your discernment. Is your discernment. Your convictions are a set of beliefs, but your discernment is your ability to know by the Spirit. So you can walk into a meeting. I'm sure Pastor Nana has done this. Tons of times he's walking to a meeting and he's like, I just have a gut feeling like we have to hire this person. I don't know. I can't explain it. I have a gut feeling. This person. It's not a gut feeling. It's the spirit of God on the inside of you. And it's that discerning of spirits for you to be able to navigate. I always joke about it in our family. We always joke about it. We say that my mom is like has the highest level of discerning of spirits. We always say that she can sit down with anybody in three seconds. She's like, "Mm, this person's not good. This person not good for you. This person will destroy your future. This person, it's, it's an intuition some people like to believe. It's a gut feeling. But what we call it in the Bible is discerning of spirits. 
Your ability to know by the Spirit what is right from what is wrong, what is good from what is evil. Is that discerning of spirits? So after your convictions are, 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 are challenged, the next thing that happens is your discernment is also under attack. Am I making sense tonight? Okay, I'm going to repeat it because I'm teaching tonight. I'm, I'm not really preaching, I'm teaching. So you leave the presence of the Lord, the first thing that comes under attack is what? Your convictions. One more time, your convictions. convictions. After your convictions, which is your ability to have your belief system wrong, the next thing that comes under attack after your convictions is what your discernment, is your discernment. That's the second thing that comes under attack is your discernment, your ability to know by the spirit what is good and what is wrong. Now, one thing you have to know about all of this process is all of these things come from an influence. And what I mean by this is if you have a positive influence in your life, then it would dictate your discernment. If you have a negative influence in your life, it would also dictate your discernment. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because the moment that you leave the presence of the Lord, understand that the presence of the Lord, God, is your influence that is affecting every part of your life, your worldview, your convictions, your discernment. Now, the moment that you leave the presence of God, so to speak, what begins to happen is you no longer have a positive influence or a divine influence that is guiding your convictions and is guiding your discernment. Now, this is going to make sense in a minute because I'm going to tell you why deliverance is important. The reason being is this is that once you leave the presence of the Lord, once you're no longer in communion and fellowship with the Lord, your belief systems can be under attack. Second things that happen is your discernment is under attack. Your sensitivity to God is broken. And when your sensitivity to the Lord is broken or your discernment, you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 10. When your discernment is under attack, what begins to happen is it now begins to cloud your decision. In other words, it clouds your choices in life. Your choices. Your choices. When you cannot see right from wrong, when you cannot see what is good from what is bad. When you cannot have that ability by the Spirit to be able to know what way is the best way per the Spirit of God, what begins to happen is your discernment is now affected or affected. And when your discernment is affected, your decision-making process is also affected. Are you trucking with me? The reason why this is important, here I come. Here I come. So if you didn't hear anything, hear this. I took you to psychology school today. The reason why this is important is this. is because a lot of us find ourselves bound in situations, but we don't know the reason by which we got there. I'm showing you how you got bound. <laughs> you got bound because you stopped communing with God. 
And let me say it like this. When you begin to make decisions far away from the presence of God, they will not be influenced by God. And when you're not making godly decisions that are influenced by God, you open the door for spirits, for demons. You open the door for different things to attack your person. You open up your heart because you're not making proper decisions. The Bible talks about being sober-minded. Sober-minded. What does that mean when we talk about being sober-minded and vigilant? What that literally means is to have the ability to know that the decisions that your flesh would want to make is always contrary to what your spirit needs to make. And so when you begin to look at it, you can't make decisions that are about your life in the flesh. Because fleshly decisions will always lead to a moment where you will need deliverance. Why? Because when you begin to make fleshy decisions, you open the door to things that shouldn't be in your life. Now, let me tell you this. When you have a door that's before you, okay? And shout out to our props team for putting this together. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. When you have... Okay, let's clap for them. Let's do it better. Let's clap for them. Thank you, guys. Let me say it like this. This door that is here, I can either decide... Just, just work with me here. I can either decide if I want the door to be open or the door to be I have that decision, right? The decision's on me. The decision's on me. Okay? I'm just breaking it practical today. Very practical today. Very practical. When the door is before me, I have a decision to make. Whether I am going to open the door or I'm going to close the door. That's on me. Now, in order for me to know if this is the right door for me to open, I have to make sure that I'm making the right decision. In order for me to make the right decision, I have to be sober-minded in my discernment. In order for me to have right discernment, I have to make sure my convictions are correct. In order for my convictions to be correct, I have to be in the presence of God. Am I making sense? So in order for me to make sure that this is the right woman for me, this is the right man for me, this is the right house for me, this is the right job for me, I can't make that decision if I'm far from the presence. I got to make that decision in the spirit and not the flesh. Because your flesh will fail you. So if you listen to your flesh, you will always make fleshy decisions. But when you're in the spirit and you spend time with God, what happens is it affects every part of your being down to your decision making. That's why you can be before a door and in your heart you want to do something, but in your spirit you feel something else. Anybody ever been in that battle before? The battle between your heart and your spirit. Is this too practical? You want to just we do you throw oil and everybody ah deliverance, but ninety eight percent of deliverance would happen quicker 
if you made a decision that was in the spirit. The reason why there's so much need for deliverance is because there's not enough people making spirit-led decisions. So those that are sons of God are led by the spirit. So in order for me to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, I have to know the spirit. So this issue of decision making is down to an intimacy and sensitivity issue. We make bad decisions in life because we're not sensitive to the, the voice of God. We're not sensitive to the mind of Christ. We don't, know the, we don't know the mind of Christ. We don't know what God's intention is concerning this situation. So we make bad decisions that land us in terrible, terrible, terrible places. And we realize that our lives are in cycles because we open the door. And see, the thing is this. You can open the door, but it's also another thing to walk through the door. A lot of people just play around with the door. They're like, okay, I'll just, just a little bit. Just, I just want to see what's on the other side. Once I see, I'll close the door. I've been good my whole life. I just want to party a little bit. I just want to open the door just a little bit to peek what's going on inside. Just a little bit. You, you, <laughs> just a little bit. I, I, just a little bit. Like, I, I promise. I promise I'm not going to go the whole way. Just a little bit. I don't need too much. What you do is as you are continually opening and closing the door without walking in it, what you're doing is you're flirting with that decision. And what happens is either you will be strong enough to close the door or what is on the other side of the door will pull you in. Now, when you get to this point whereby what is stronger on the other side is pulling you in, it will only take prayer and the mercies of God and deliverance in that problem, in that space, and in that life for your life to be able to now go back to trek to the presence of God. And so many of us, are laborers, we're believers, we're Christians, we love Jesus. There's not, listen, we love Jesus. But we're bound. We're, we're laborers. But we're bound. We're bound. We're, we're, we're bound to addictions. We're actually bound. And the reason why we're bound is because we have not been able to master the art of spiritual decision making. Spiritual decision making. Am I helping you today? Yes. So, this is the process by which. Next week, we're going to deal with closing the door. That's next week. This week, I wanted to show you and show all of us by the Spirit how we get to the point where we even need to be freed from things. Some of us don't even know you need to be freed from pride and arrogance. It's not every deliverance. It's not every, listen, it's not everything that has to do with sexual immorality. Oh my gosh, I sinned. 
You sin because you made a decision that was not a sober-minded decision. That's what happened to Eve. She made a decision to eat of the fruit because she was sweet-talked by the serpent. And when she was sweet-talked by the serpent, she began to partake of something she shouldn't have eaten, called the forbidden fruit, something she shouldn't have done. But because she was away from the presence of God, and because she was not sober-minded in her decisions, she ended up in a position whereby, oh my God, sin now has entered the world. Sin has entered the world. So, tonight, we're going to go to Psalm, let's go to Psalm 51. Let's go to Psalm 51. Let's go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Uh, let's go uh, verse 11. Psalm 51, 11. Let's go there. And then, like I said, today was just introduction then. Take me back to verse 10, please. Let's read this. One, two, three, and go. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Next one. Ah, okay, hold up. He says, do not what? Cast me away. This is David. David is speaking. David is, is singing. It's a psalm. Uh, you know, they, they, they actually call it the Song of Harps, this specific psalm that was written. They like to believe that this is a psalm that David wrote after he had fell with Bathsheba. In other words... Uh, he, just to make it, break it down to layman terms, he was supposed to be at war, but because he didn't know, um, uh, he made a terrible decision that wasn't a spirit-led decision, but was a fleshy decision. He ended up making even a worse decision. Uh, he ended up sleeping with another man's wife. He was on the porch, and he saw her, and he called her, and he slept with her, and it was a whole mess. It was a soap opera. It was, it was terrible. All of that stuff. So now in this psalm, David is basically pleading to God because the prophet Nathan has come to correct him. Anybody grateful you have friends that can correct you? If you don't have friends that can correct you, you need to get in the company of people that can speak truth to your power. You hear what I said? People that can speak what? Truth to your power. You have power. But you need somebody that can speak truth to your power because sometimes we are at the moment where we're making a decision that we can't come back from. It's going to destroy our lives. Sometimes we just need somebody who will speak truth to the power of decision that God has given us to make sure that we don't destroy our destinies. So David is writing this psalm as he writes this psalm, this is what he says. He says, you know what? I have fallen. I have destroyed. Listen, I, I, I've done the unthinkable. Nathan has already told me everything. This is terrible. I know all this is terrible. But the one thing that he says he can't do without in that moment is the presence of God. He says, do not cast me away from your presence and then do not take your spirit from me. So in all of these things, David is saying, I know I messed up and I made a terrible decision, but the only thing I request is, Lord, I don't want to be cast away from your presence. 
Why? Because David realizes that as long as you have the presence of God, as long as you are in the presence of God, you will make better decisions in the future. Because the presence of God will impact your convictions, then that will impact your discernment, then that will impact your decision. And when the presence of God impacts your decision, you make spirit-led decisions in the spirit and not in the flesh. One thing I love as a New Testament believer, and I'm, I'm through here. As a New Testament believer is this. I love the fact that in the Old Testament, we needed the Ark of the Covenant, the Old Testament. We had no access, but Jesus dying gave us access. Not just to the spirit upon, but the spirit within. So we didn't have to go to a place to experience the presence. As you all know, we carry the presence. So what was once a stationary thing, now we have access to walk with it, to go with it, through convictions, to go with it, through discernment, to go with it, through decision. So now when you're making a decision, you're not making a decision having to say, I got to go back and pray. See, a lot of us, this is what we do. We say, well, I got to make a big decision. I'm sorry. I got to go pray about it. I gotta, and that's fine. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's another realm where you begin to say, okay, you know what? Just give me a minute. I'm just going to just ask the Holy Spirit. You carry the presence. You carry the presence. It should take a millisecond for you to switch to be able to say, I feel this. This is discernment. I know this decision I have to make. Why? Because your convictions, your discernment, everything about that realm of your psychological framework and makeup is influenced by God. And when it's influenced by God, every decision you should make, now I'm not saying we always make the best decisions, but we should begin to be a generation that is making decisions because we are sensitive to the voice of God. So doors that are meant to be shut will be shut. And doors that are meant to be open will be open. Doors we're meant to walk through will walk through. And doors we're never meant to be around, we will never venture there. It's from the presence of God. The reason why we make decisions that are not spirit-led is because we are not spending enough time in intimacy with God to create sensitivity to make proper decisions. Tonight is one of those nights it's one of those nights of deep introspection. Deep introspection. Where we begin to look at it. I, I, listen, I know. I know we, we, love, we love to scream. We love to shout. We love all stuff. It's great. I love it too. 
But there is a place for us to be introspective as to why you keep making the same decisions. Why do we keep making the same decisions, ending up in the same cycles, doing the same thing, falling in the same thing every single day? Why do you keep doing that? One of the most powerful deliverances, as I always say, is the deliverance that happens by way of decision. You can decide your future, but what is influencing your decisions? Is it God or is it something else? Let's be on our feet. I'm finished. I'm done. I want you to listen back to this word. Because I want you to sit down yourself, all of us, in our quiet times, and truly do an audit of our decision making. It's our decisions that give us and grant us and put us in places where we're in need of deliverance. It's our decision. If you did not do this, then this would not be the outcome. If you had not decided this, it would not be the outcome. It's all down to your choice. David had a choice while he was in his bedroom, he had a choice. Am I going to sleep with this woman? Or am I just going to be, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have seen that. And go back to doing whatever I'm supposed to do. Kings were meant to be at war at that time. He wasn't supposed to be where he was. He made a decision to stay home. Could it be that there's some decisions that put you in a position to make even terrible and more worse decisions? God is trying to save someone tonight from making the worst decision of your life. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the gospel truth. Yesterday was Valentine's, right? Right? Happy Valentine's Day. What a Valentine's Day message. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be about love but the truth of the matter is that people make poor decisions especially around Valentine's Day no no I'm, I'll be serious listen I'll be truthful Me, it's just us this is our church you don't think this is relevant I'm trying to explain to you why it's relevant I'm just living my life I'm just, no 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 you're making terrible decisions that is causing you and costing you your soul and your future. We all do. I'm not, I don't always make the best decisions. I'm not exempt from this. I don't always make the best decisions. But I've come 
to humble myself under the grace of God, to know that if I can just submit to his hand, he will speak something true. Do you know, Marvin, how many people made bad decisions yesterday? Just think about it. How many hotel rooms were booked up yesterday? That part. So just think about it. A man saved up his money all January just to go and put his credit card down and the credit card bounced when he got to the counter and the man had to look and call his boy to transfer him and he sent him an e-transfer he cleared off his credit card just to put down on lay sweets is this still there <laughs> when he cleared off the man Wayne cleared off his credit card just so that when the girl goes and she charges the room, the, the card won't bounce. The man worked all January just for one day of a poor decision. And guess what? The girl had convictions when she came to university. She had convictions. Watch this. Can I explain it? All right. Let me make this applicable. All right. So... You left your parents' house. Someone say, hey! You left your parents' house. Okay? When you left your parents' house, you got to university. When you got to university, when you got to college, even when you graduated college, you started working, whatever it is, wherever you are in life. Your convictions that you were taught, you were told to read your Bible every day, pray before you go to bed. You were told to keep your legs closed and keep your zipper up. You were told. You were told. Like you were told that you were told. But what happened? Hear me. The further you got away from your convictions and your belief systems by way of the influence of the presence of God, you started making terrible discernment and in terrible decisions. And so that same person that left their house is now making terrible decisions. But look how far they are away from the presence of God. Look how far. Look how far. Even as a New Testament believer, fine, you carry the presence. Sure, sure. Theologically, great. <laughs> sure. We can't read the presence of God. Yes, we do. It's true. However, there is a such thing called the secret place. And you know what happens? It's a dangerous thing when you cannot feel your convictions anymore. It's, it's like if you've gotten to that place, I beg today, repent today, 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 repent today. Like if you... If you, you know, go out and you get, you know, super drunk or whatever it is, and you wake up in the morning and you no longer have the fear of God in you, like, oh my gosh, I was not raised this way. If you no longer sleep with that guy and the next morning, you're like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. You have no walk of shame. You're just like, I mean, well, it is what it is. You need, we need to repent today. Why? 
because it means you've gone so far from the present, you're desensitized. Remember what I said at the beginning. I said the problem by which the reason why we make terrible spirit, or terrible flesh decisions is, is, is not an issue of influence alone. It's an issue of sensitivity. Because some people carry the presence and they know right, they choose wrong. <laughs> you know right, but you choose wrong. Some people, they even got, listen, they got to the room, room 405, Prescott House, floor four. They got, they got there to their dormitories. And when they got to the dorm, because the guy said, come to my dorm, you got there, you looked there. When you got there, the Holy Spirit told you, don't go. You heard the voice of God. You're a carrier of the presence. You knew wrong. You knew wrong. You felt it. You knew. Don't buy that car. It's an impulsive buy. You still bought it. You knew. But you suppressed your knowing. And you made a decision that was contrary. You lost the battle between flesh and spirit that day. And my thing is this, there's a lot of us that carry the presence. We know right, but we choose wrong. My thing is this, Valentine's not over. How many people this weekend are making terrible decisions? Room 405, we went inside this room. Terrible decisions. Terrible decisions. Ungodly decisions because of the fact of the pressure to display love. Watch this. And the pressure to want to feel loved. So because you want to feel loved, you, you want to feel like, I want, I, I want somebody. It's not bad to want to feel loved. But it's also a situation, I, said, I know I said I wouldn't preach on love, just give me two, two minutes and then I'll leave. It's also because there is a part in them they have not healed. If there's a part in an individual that has not been healed properly, you will start to look for love everywhere you can find it. Because you don't have self-love. It's most important. You start to look for love everywhere else. And you now begin to make bad decisions. Today, let's surrender our decision-making process to God. That's all. So that we don't ruin our destiny because of wrong decisions. Can you pray that prayer with me? Holy Spirit, help me in my decisions. I know it's unorthodox. I know people don't preach this way. But we're not living in regular times. We're living in peculiar times. It calls for peculiar messages. God, help me in my decision making. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I don't want to make a wrong decision. I don't want to miss it. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit.
Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in and hearing this podcast episode. I trust that God transformed your life and took your life to the next level by something that was said or conversation that was had. Well, I cannot wait to connect with you online on any of our social media platforms at Kofi Darte. Until next time.